Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit repeater. everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello marissa it is a pleasure to be back talking about lizzie mcguire once again for episode 50 of the outfit repeaters <laughs> we've done 50 of these 50 of these yeah it's been almost a year almost a full year can you believe that yes and no <laughs> i mean I'm proud of us for sticking with it. Me too. I mean, they say that the number one reason why podcasts fail is just the pod fade. People just, you know, they lose stamina, they lose the energy, the enthusiasm, but we've stuck with it for 50 episodes and we're almost at the end of season two here. And I'm just so thrilled that we've gotten to this point in time. I thought you were going to say that you're so thrilled that this is almost over. (laughs) (laughs) You think so little of me. Well, I'm very excited to be talking about this episode today, and I'm very excited that we have a guest with us. Joining us on the podcast today, uh, our good friend Ivan Vukovic is back with us on the Outfit Repeaters. Ivan, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, Yeah, it's been a while. I think uh, the episode that I joined uh, you guys to review was... I mean, yeah, probably practically a year ago now and how 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 many things have changed since then. I know. Ivan, you were our first guest ever. And, you know, we had a couple technical difficulties and here we are months later still trying to figure out some of these technical issues. <laughs> One of these days we'll get it. Well, I, I was your guinea pig, right? Hopefully things have been smoother since then. I think they have. I think they definitely have. But so glad to have you on. Obviously, since the last time you were on, you, myself, and Carlin Greenwald have started a subsequent podcast recapping The Crown. So it's just been quite a time in the podcast world. It has. I mean, I feel like we really got in uh, on the ground floor of the podcast craze, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, just like I got in on the ground floor of uh, Dogecoin over this past weekend. <laughs> oh, did you? Well, well, we'll have to have a side conversation about that then. I did not. I'm not a cryptocurrency person. But if I had, I could have potentially watched my one cent Bitcoin get all the way up to eight cents. So it could have been a great time. Although Marissa legitimately did consider it over this past week. Um, she looked at me, I think it was on Thursday night, and she was like, should we invest in Dogecoin? That's <laughs> like, um... No. So here's the thing that I was realizing is that every time we heard about something, it was already too late, right? Like once it hit Twitter, it was over. I'll go ahead and confess that I invested in Dogecoin at its peak around Thursday night (laughs) before everything collapsed. So um, I'm I'm the cautionary tale of what you should not have done and, and sounds like you wisely avoided doing. So congratulations. I I threw in, you know, just the negligible amount of money, expecting it to become a slightly less negligible amount of money. But alas, I think I uh, 
when all was said and done, those are twenty dollars that I will never see again. <laughs> yeah, because what is Dogecoin at now? Like two point two cents, something like that. Oh, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It, I mean, it's. It's just. It's you know, circus money. Like there, there's uh, compare. I mean, we're not going to talk crypto. I'm not going to start talking about crypto. Let's not talk about crypto. <laughs> One thing I do want to get your opinion on, because I feel like you are, you have some expertise in this area. Recently, Marissa and I started watching the Marvel movies because Marissa hasn't seen all of them, but she wants okay. to watch them uh, before she watches WandaVision, or rather, I think that she should. Yeah, this is a Sam thing. Sam thinks I should watch them all before, before she WandaVision. watches WandaVision, especially, I mean, at least uh, Civil War, you know, like we should at least get right. to that point. That way you have like a a knowledge of Wanda and Vision. So we've watched three so far. We're actually watching them in chronological order rather than release order. So we've watched Captain America, we've watched Captain Marvel, and we watched Iron Man. I think the big question coming up very soon is, is the Ed Norton Hulk worth a watch? (laughs) Or should we skip it? Okay, so (laughs) I actually really like the Ed Norton Hulk. Um, And I actually think that like, he, like watching him play Bruce Banner is actually more interesting than anything Mark Ruffalo has done with the role. And that movie's a weird one. It's definitely the, the black sheep of the family that they don't acknowledge as much. But there are certain themes and motifs uh, from it that do end up coming back. So if you're going to go through the trouble of watching all of the rest of them, like, yeah, what what's one more? I, I say go for it. All right. That's it. It's been decided. But um, Marissa, how are you enjoying our Marvel rewatch so far? I'm enjoying it. I I mean, so far of the three movies, I had already seen Captain Marvel. So that was a rewatch for me. Um, really liked Captain America, like way more than I was expecting to. Just the last line of that movie really got to me where he's like, I had a date because I'm very <laughs> invested in... Like, I want to watch Agent Carter now because I really liked Peggy. Ooh, yeah. And that's opening up a whole bunch of <laughs> supplementary material now. Um, yeah, I, okay. So I will say, though, like, Marissa, the payoff is not going to be WandaVision. It's going to be some of the last couple of movies in the franchise. Because uh, there's, a, like, like I, I, I'm a huge, like, you know, Marvel guy. Like, I've been reading the comics since I was a kid. I was not particularly impressed by a lot of, like, the earlier movies. I think it was probably about somewhere halfway through the cinematic universe that it really started to pick up. And there's a lot of good stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I like some of what I've seen from WandaVision so far. But... You're doing a lot of homework just to watch WandaVision when when really like the, the reward for it is going to be the journey along the way. I'm excited. I'm here for it. So the context you are missing is I actually have seen most of the movies that have been released in the last couple years. Like I saw, I mean, of course I saw Black Panther, but Sam took me to um, Infinity War and Endgame. So like I know how it <laughs> but I just have like none of the like 15 years of context. Okay, well, I will say this and and without spoiling anything, uh, WandaVision does actually start to pull from some pretty obscure like callbacks from all throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it, it even from some of those like earlier, more mediocre films, there are certain, you know, kind of, I guess, plot points, we'll just keep it vague, that you never thought you'd really hear about again that do suddenly resurface in WandaVision. So it, it is actually very good timing that you're doing this. 
I mean, I think that it's definitely going to be beneficial to Marissa because while Marissa knows, you know, some of the overarching plot points, having watched, having, you know, dropped in here and there, there's still some very basic fundamentals that we really need to instill within her. For example, it took her halfway through the movie Iron Man to realize that Jarvis was an AI. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's just, you know, we're learning where it's a learning experience. Well, yeah, I say keep at it. Uh, throughout WandaVision so far, it has several times now it has made me uh, think like, oh, I should go back and rewatch that movie. Yeah, and I'm I'm into the idea of WandaVision just from like I studied media in college and like big TV history person. Like I'm just very interested in what it's doing structurally with like old TV um, so I'm coming at it more from that standpoint. That's what piqued my interest, but I am enjoying it. I really like Tony Stark. I just wasn't expecting Iron Man to be so like end of George W. Bush, Afghanistan, Middle Eastern war movie. That was not what mm-hmm. I thought I was going into. So I- I've been told that those movies will get better. Yeah, I mean, we forget that this cinematic universe started in a very, very different era. I mean, the first Iron Man movie came out in 08. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you definitely have a lot of, like, military-industrial complex uh, uh, just looming large, especially in some of those earlier films. There, there's a lot of scenes of just, like, military personnel approaching a location in those earlier movies. Uh, yeah, you get less of that as time goes on. And I don't care about that at all. Like, I'm so in it for the character development and the world building and just, like, from a storytelling perspective. All the action scenes, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get more of, uh, of, of the stuff that you like as it goes along. I promise. And we also forget, I think that, was, that wasn't a Disney movie. That was a Paramount movie. Likewise, Hulk was a Universal movie. Like, there's just different tones for these movies um, until they're all kind of brought under one umbrella. Yeah, there's some weird stuff in those earlier Marvel <laughs> movies because I, I rewatched, uh, I think it was Iron Man two sometime back, and it just had it, it just has a lot of like more product placement, celebrity cameos, like all of these things that just seem very cheap and dated compared to some of the more recent Marvel movies, where like you know they don't need to have elon musk showing up to say hi to tony it's yeah they've moved past that for sure other than that i mean we are still cruising along on our crazy ex-girlfriend watch and we are finally at the point where i just about have stopped watching it because i never finished it so i'm about to enter some new content and it's getting dark what a great companion to the marvel movie (laughs) i've been have you been binging anything besides dark that we should watch. <laughs> wow. Wow, Sam. Just take away my opportunity to talk about dark. No, you can talk, I, you I can talk about dark. This is your this is your your time. No, no. I mean, I, I can talk about dark, but I won't because <laughs> um, I've already talked your ear off about that one. Uh, no, I mean, I've I've watched a couple things recently. Um, watch this uh, really fun little uh, show on HBO Max, a British series with Billy Piper called I Hate Susie, where B- Billy Piper kind of plays like a sort of semi-fictionalized version of herself, like former child pop star turns actress, or I guess turns sci-fi actress, turns dramatic actress. And um, yeah, it's it's a really, really good time. I, I, I recommend giving that one a go. And then um, a little late to the Queen's Gambit train, but uh, just wrapping that one up now. 
and yeah, otherwise just uh, business as usual. Um, yeah, WandaVision, obviously, but yeah, it's it's a pretty quiet time in the TV viewing world for me. What are your thoughts on Queen's Gambit? Are you pro Queen's Gambit? Oh man, uh, I you know I'm enjoying it, but it, it is some of just the most like cookie cutter Netflix. <laughs> bs i've ever seen like just very like by the numbers you can kind of see every twist and turn coming um that doesn't mean i'm not enjoying it but i, I was really infuriated at first because i thought the one and only selling point of that show for me was anya taylor joy and then i watched the first episode and she is just hardly even in it at all and i was furious by the end of it <laughs> like i i just wanted to stop right off the bat Show that's that's pretty much the only episode that's like that. You know, they have to establish small child version. But but like my argument is that they didn't. They could have just as easily had, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy play a teenage version of herself, which she ended up doing anyway. And, you know, like just have her chess obsession start at age 13 rather than age nine. It would have been just so easy. Uh, what's a better example of, you know, straight from the Netflix algorithm? Is it Queen's Gambit or is it Ozark? Uh, Ozark, a.k.a. Uh, the Kirkland signature version of Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Ozark just, just just based off of that descriptor. <laughs> oh, man. I knew, I mean, I do enjoy it, though. I, Ozark is a good watch. Okay, so, Ivan, today we're going to be watching an episode that you selected you were like, I would love to come back here for this episode of Lizzie McGuire. Um, what really drew you to this episode? So, um, you know, as we're quickly about to learn, this is the Frankie Muniz episode of Lizzie McGuire, which I have a lot of thoughts around. Um, <laughs> I was I was a really big fan of, uh, you know, Malcolm in the Middle and most of the stuff that Frankie Muniz was doing around this time in his career. And I thought I just found it at the time of this episode airing so befuddling that he was appearing in Lizzie McGuire. Um, not only because like, you know, his brand of humor was like, you know, much more um, adult than the stuff that they were doing on the Disney channel. Like Malcolm in the middle was a Fox series and it just seemed like a really weird crossover. Um, in addition to the fact that like, I, I don't know, like at this time, Disney channel and, and just Disney in general was very, um, uh, just very kind of self-contained. They didn't really like acknowledging the fact that there were other movies and TV shows out there outside of their own ecosystem. And this episode name drops Malcolm in the Middle several times in a way that that was just like such a head scratcher for me because I remember watching Disney Channel back then and just like my eyes widening when I heard that and thinking like, wow, they're actually acknowledging like a show on Fox that is also about, you know, kind of tweens in the middle school era that is, you know, I'm, I'm personally going to say, like, I like Malcolm in the middle more than I like Lizzie McGuire. Um, and it just seemed like it was bizarre that they were aligning themselves to that show so much. Now, I later found out that apparently Lizzie McGuire and Frankie Muniz were dating at the time, uh, which, you know, might have blossomed as a result of Agent Cody Banks or something like that. But, yeah, I just found the whole thing so bizarre. And and we'll, we're obviously going to get into the meat and potatoes of it here in a moment. But just the the mere premise of Frankie Muniz appearing as himself as the star of Malcolm in the middle <laughs> in the Lizzie McGuire universe was like, e even to this day, I just have a tough time getting my mind around it. Marissa, I'm assuming that you followed the Frankie Muniz, Hillary Duff saga. Vaguely. I mean, I was 
probably like what eight years old at the height of it so I mean obviously I saw Agent Cody Banks but I didn't really watch Malcolm in the Middle until I was a little older I don't know it's like it was it was kind of in the periphery I'm also going to go ahead and add that I actually went back and rewatched some of Malcolm in the Middle recently, <laughs> not necessarily in preparation for this episode, but just because it, it, it was on my mind. And um, it's a show that has actually aged extremely well. So I've been spending some time with it. Um, and, you know, my wife had never seen it before. But yeah, it is. Um, we're going to have a lot to say about today's episode. <laughs> Ivan, have you kept up with Frankie Muniz's career? Um, do you know what he's up to these days? Or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, he's <laughs> he's not up to much. And I mean, he's actually, uh, to his credit, kind of this uh, example of a former child star that turned out all right. Like, you know, he kind of disappeared from acting, um, got really into like race cars, um, is now a kind of sporadic Twitter personality, um, and just all around seems like a pretty all right dude that, you know, turned out okay. Yeah, I mean, th this episode and this kind of era was him at his height where it could have all gone wrong, but didn't. Um, and yeah, I, uh, you know, I have nothing bad to say about Frankie Muniz. I did think, uh, which, you know, we'll get into here, the way that he's portrayed in this episode as a kind of teenage heartthrob was so far <laughs> from the reality of what Frankie Muniz was at the time. Like he was just like this cute little, you know, kid with good comedic timing. He was not like, you know, this very, you know, Zac Efron type that he was playing here. Yeah, Chad Michael Murray probably would be like of the era comparison. Most recently, I think the last thing I saw Frankie Muniz in was he was on Dancing with the Stars a few years ago, which kind of cements his C slash D list status. <laughs> but he did really well. <laughs> Yeah, I took a peek at his IMDb, and most of the things that he has appeared in in the past 10 years, he has played the role of Frankie Muniz. <laughs> he was the guy they brought back to host the child version, right? Yes, with Jordan Fisher. It was Jordan Fisher and Frankie Muniz hosting yeah. the kid version of Dancing with the Stars. You know, it all came full circle. Here he is, just mentoring all these kids. And he seems great. I, I am a fan of adult Frankie. So today we are unpacking season two, episode 15, Lizzie in the Middle. In this episode, no one is more surprised than Lizzie when Mr. Diggs' old friend, Frankie Muniz, pays a visit to Hillridge Middle School. But the biggest surprise of all is Frankie asking Lizzie out. And this episode aired on August 23rd, 2002. You know what? I just learned that Frankie Muniz is actually Frankie Muniz the fourth. So there have been three Frankie Muniz's before him. Is he like Frank Muniz, Francis Muniz? Francisco. Uh, Francisco Muniz. Nice try. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you go to his Wikipedia page, Ivan, as you mentioned, obviously the first thing that comes up is that he's an American actor, but then there's a comma and then it says race car driver and musician. Yes. Well, didn't he get in a pretty serious accident? Did he? From race car driving? Yeah, I, I seem to recall that. So yeah, I think sometime after Malcolm in the Middle, perhaps very shortly after, um, so we're talking like late aughts here, he you know kind of left acting behind, started getting more into race car driving. And then, yeah, I do remember him having an accident. I don't know if that uh, signaled his retirement from race car driving as well, but I, I know it's still a pretty big passion of his. 
Yeah, I think I only know that because that was a huge part of his Dancing with the Stars story was sort of like the rehabilitation from that. Yeah, so first Uh. question, how does Mr. Dig know Frankie Muniz? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying, I'm I'm scrolling real hard through the Wikipedia page trying to find like a connection to Michigan, really anything. And there's just, I I can find nothing to connect these two individuals. And and this begins with Frankie dropping in uh, on Mr. Diggs' class to to see his quote-unquote old friend. And like my question is like if you're gonna because Frankie's in town to shoot a TV movie, um, and you know he decides to just kind of do this on his off time. Like, why drop in in the middle of school hours while Mister Dig is doing his job to to say hi? Like, could he not have picked any other time? <laughs> I know it's like for a kid who is trying to sort of go about unnoticed incognito. He really did choose a moment to make a spectacle out of himself yeah but the the issue here and the lack of tactfulness on frankie's part is that even though he spends the majority of this episode trying to avoid fans and paparazzi he begins the episode by walking into a middle school where presumably 80 percent of the student population is instantly going to recognize him like it begins with him going into the lion's den to an acting class to be romeo also just a quick note, the security in this school, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and another quick note about this opening scene, like, were uh, were this not an episode about Lizzie, uh, you know, hanging out with Frankie Muniz, I feel like you could have built an A-plot just around uh, Lizzie and Ethan being the leads in, like, a production of Romeo and Juliet and it wasn't clear whether they were you know doing like a full-on production of it or or just reading but I feel like this would have figured into a this would have been a really big part of Lizzie's week had it not been for Frankie Muniz showing up well that's the thing too is like Ethan Kraft gets totally left in the dust here like all of these Ethan feelings are just out the window that could have created a great love triangle and it was just a missed opportunity One thing, Marissa, you noted during the episode was that they look older. (laughs) They do look older. Um, This episode was episode season two, episode 23. Um, So this is literally probably one of Miranda's last episodes, if not her last episode, um, production order wise. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is winding down now. Marissa, question for you. Have any of your teachers ever pretended to be dead? No, okay, so I have a lot of, like, thoughts about Mr. Dig in this scene. And just, first of all, like, don't touch your students. Like, get your hands off of Lizzie. Did not like that. Um, Also, his fake dying situation was so fake, but Lizzie just bought it in this incredibly unrealistic way where she even goes so far to be like, he's not breathing. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie. I would imagine if Mr. Dig were teaching in the modern social media era, so many of his antics would have been publicized and gotten him canceled by now. Yeah, he is truly uh, just a little creepy. I mean, this entire episode would be very different if we lived in the social media era. Can you imagine? Like, at one point, I believe Miranda's like, they put my face in the paper. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? As unidentified friend. (laughs) Yeah. So Lizzie 
and Ethan are being Romeo and Juliet. Ethan sees Frankie come in and is just starstruck to the point of just he he pulls a Lizzie, right? He just like stops <laughs> stops talking. But Frankie comes in clutch with the most cliche Romeo and Juliet line. I do appreciate the Ethan Craft line that we end on where he's like, How'd you get out of the TV? That was good. And then we cut to our theme song. And Frankie Munez is now at Hill Ridge Middle School for reasons we will never understand, quite frankly, but we just have to roll with it. All right. Can I can I ask a, a general question about the next scene? Sure. So Miranda walks in and she's like, I heard a rumor that Frankie's here and having lunch with Lizzie. Last I checked, the only person who is actually in the drama club was Miranda. <laughs> why, why isn't Miranda <laughs> in class with Gordo and Lizzie and Ethan and literally everybody else? I, I, <laughs> she, she also approached that. <laughs> she also approached the lunch table and was like, Hey, did you hear about, you know, you having a lunch date with Frankie <laughs> and then looking over and seeing Frankie sitting next to her? Like not, not, not the most sharply written scene. Not at all, but he's there. They're enamored. They talk about what they did over the summer. Um, which is also very confusing timeline wise. It makes it it makes it seem like they had just started the school year. <laughs> yeah, and if it's ep- and it, like if this is episode twenty three in the season, there's no way that can be possible. The one thing that I can say that I can feel like maybe they're trying to do is they're really trying to line up the episodes with like the actual time that it is because you said this episode premiered what like August twenty third. It's like back to school. So they're really mm-hmm. they're really trying to get these back to school themes on the air right now. So maybe that I would mean, make sense. It would make sense. Okay. It's still a little bit far fetched watching it now because now watching it, you're like, this is so out of order. But at the time that it aired, it makes a little bit more sense, maybe. Well, I'll tell you what's far-fetched. When Frankie answers that question and talks about what he did, he mentioned that he finished shooting his series, which if you know anything about basic TV production schedules, like there's no way he just wrapped up the entirety of the latest season of Malcolm in the Middle in the summertime. Like that, that's not how network shows uh, film. Yeah, and then he read some scripts and he bought a car as... 14-year-olds do. That's ominous foreshadowing. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You know what else is ominous foreshadowing? Gordo broke his toe. (laughs) Underreported story, yeah. (laughs) It was traumatic, guys. So Lizzie and Miranda, (laughs) they realize that they've done nothing this summer, which... Checks out. (laughs) That so checks out. Yeah, because Frankie Muniz is like, yeah, what'd you guys do? And they're like, um... Uh, 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 I don't uh, remember. Um, but at least we know that Gordo broke his toe. Information I just needed. How did he break his toe? We did we know. get that? No. He doesn't seem like a, a person who takes a lot of risks. So I'm very curious how he would have broken his toe. Any any guesses? He probably walked into a coffee table. I was going to say it would be a very me way to break my toe, which is just like walking into something. My mom broke her toe doing that once. So that's <laughs> <laughs> this is inspired by real life. I think he walked into a coffee table and broke his toe. Okay, that's canon now. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, so now this is where we get that Frankie is in town to shoot a TV movie about what we don't find out. And he just wanted to stop by to see his old friend, Mr. Dig. You really get a sense of Frankie Muniz's insecurity here because he asks Lizzie out 
And basically before she can even answer, he's like, I know that I'm real dorky on TV, but that's not me. <laughs> which which is like actually pretty like in line with like the type of neurotic character that I'm used to seeing Frankie Muniz play. So again, it just doesn't really gel with this whole like Frankie Muniz is a heartthrob and he's super confident and is just going to be a lady killer. No, he really needs to talk through his self-esteem with somebody. See, I think... I found his nerves to be very endearing and like it was like cute in an awkward way. Like he's like, I'm just going to go crawl under a rock now. But like my question is, why Lizzie McGuire? Well, Miranda doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's why she was not in class with them. Like I, I just don't think I ever get a strong sense of like what attracts Frankie to Lizzie besides maybe the... She's blonde and pretty. Where is Kate in these storylines when you That's need her? Also true. <laughs> Kate Kate would not have just let Frankie swoop in on on Lizzie without trying to intercept. She she would have tried to get involved. Another missed opportunity. Okay, but yeah, this is where we get the first of many scenes of just people mobbing Frankie because Lizzie everybody's listening to Lizzie anticipating what her answer is going to be and she's like um I don't know boom cute (laughs) (laughs) hordes of girls for heartthrob Frankie (laughs) Munez yeah and that is really just how the episode goes so we cut to the McGuire house and we get you know that Romeo and Juliet is a metaphor for Lizzie and Frankie. They're just they're just from two different worlds. Okay, no, it's not. Like it's absolutely not a metaphor. The situations could not be more different. There are no dueling families here. Like this is this is just pretty lazy writing. Um, and then we get Gordo and Miranda's perspective on this, and Gordo is team. Yeah, that makes sense, Lizzie. Don't go out with him. But Miranda's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, he's a celebrity. Since when do we not date celebrities? Give him a chance. I mean, Gordo is fooling no one with his enthusiasm that Lizzie does not want to go out with Frankie Muniz. Like, Gordo, you're not subtle. We all see through this. But we also don't get enough of that to really know for sure. Like, just how biased he is in, in his opinion here. Well, I'm dating this back a little bit to the season one or season two, episode one <laughs> uh, premiere, and we met Shirani, and there were very many parallels between, um, especially like Sam and Joe's reactions to Frankie Muniz, as we saw 15 episodes ago when Lizzie had another boyfriend. It was like we saw the same thing happening all over again. So I guess I'm just sort of projecting that version of Gordo onto this version of Gordo. Oh, well, I'm not arguing that, you know, they're not just recycling the same storylines <laughs> and motifs here. But what I'm saying, I, th- I think it might be giving the writers a little too much credit to even remember that Gordo's into Lizzie right now. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, you're you're right. It, I'm just saying it would be more overt if, if that were the case. Uh, and maybe they just didn't have time to really squeeze that into the, the runtime of the episode here. But, you know, like, even if there is jealousy there, like, you don't really see enough of it on the surface for it to really, to really say with confidence that, like, Gordo even cares about this too much. That's true. We are definitely projecting our own interpretation onto the budding romance between Lizzie McGuire and David Gordon. <laughs> Um, but this is when 
Sam and Joe enter the kitchen and immediately lock in on the fact that they're talking about a guy and they're like, what guy? And <laughs> spectral test fail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and oh my God, it's, it's Frankie Muniz. And, but we don't really get this right away. Miranda is speaking in hypotheticals first, like say Lizzie, they say there's this guy and shouldn't Lizzie give him a chance, even if he's a celebrity and the reactions from Sam and Joe could not be more different. Sam McGuire, you need to listen to your own advice and just have some coolness. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they do this to Sam McGuire, I get so upset. Visceral reaction. It also seems like the, the parents' reactions are, are pretty arbitrary. Like, what's to stop Sam from being a huge Malcolm in the Middle fan and being like, oh, yeah, you got to go on a date with him. And character-wise, that makes more sense to me than what we get. But he just has to go into overprotective dad mode. The, the one thing we can say is that it is consistent with the way that he has acted before. But we just don't like that. <laughs> no. I think Joe actually ends up coming off worse here because she's just encouraging Lizzie to date him just due to celebrity status. Yeah, yeah she knows him from TV. Frankie, like from TV. Frankie Muniz. He's not a movie star. He's on TV, Sam. Big difference. That's like the way she's like clarifying to him. Yeah, big who difference. Who he is. Matt realizes that Lizzie is going to need an entourage, and that's how we got the series Entourage. Mark Wahlberg was clearly <laughs> watching this episode of Lizzie McGuire, and he was like, you know what? Yeah, Entourage. That was the yeah. first time he ever heard that word. <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> now, what do we think about Matt's storyline and his reaction to all of this? Because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me until he starts exploiting it. Yeah, Thoughts? I agree. It, does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think the fact that he does exploit it is the part of Matt that we like. The part where he's actually like incredibly smart and incredibly resourceful, and we like that. But no, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think what Matt was doing throughout this episode, like... You could make an argument that it constitutes a B-plot, but I don't think there was really a B-plot in this episode. Everything was just, you know, revolving around uh, Lizzie and Frankie. And, you know, you did get some scenes with Matt on his own, but all of it was just kind of in the service of this relationship. I got this line from Jake Thomas in the post-credits, or in the uh, blooper reel. I'm annoying. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome to the soundboard. <laughs> I was like, you need to clip that immediately. <laughs> I'm annoying. <laughs> Self-awareness. We love it. <laughs> but yeah, Matt is, you know, be, besides being slightly incredulous that Malcolm, as he refers to Frankie Muniz in the scene, that Malcolm asked you out. Um, he's very on board with riding this celebrity wave. And then in the background, Joe and Sam are still kind of arguing through this. Joe says, she's 14 years old. You have to let her grow up a little bit. To which Lizzie replies that it's not even an issue because she already turned him down. But then he shows up at her house. How did he get her address? Mr. Dig dug it up from the school <laughs> records. That's so problematic. Yeah, this is a little creepy. And we got very, <laughs> we got a lot of creepy things in the last episode with that girl, um, Andy. 
this episode just picked up right where it left off. Like <laughs> you, you substitute some creepy music, some psycho like stabbing noises. This could be a very different tone. Yeah, he just shows up at her house and prepares to charm her with his quirky brand. So Lizzie's going to introduce him to the family. Matt wants to call him F. You know, just <laughs> typical things. <laughs> introduces himself as Matt McGuire. You can call me Matt McGuire. (laughs) And then Sam is not playing it cool at all. His reaction is very, I thought you told him no, (laughs) right in front of his face. So suave. Who's up better? So I never watched uh, Malcolm in the Middle, but obviously I know that that is the origin of Walter White. So (laughs) who's a better TV dad? Is it Sam McGuire or is it Brian Cranston? Oh, I mean, 1,000% Brian Cranston. And, <laughs> and like, you know, much has been made of the fact that he was able to play both Walter White and Malcolm's dad, Hal, um, which are two very different characters and, and require, a, like, very different acting muscles to execute. But, uh, yeah, as far as TV dads go, I- I'm sorry to say that Sam McGuire doesn't hold a candle. Fair enough. One more thing. Sure. Uh, Frankie comments that Lizzie and Matt look nothing alike. <laughs> <laughs> What? I mean, was that was that supposed to be like a meta joke? Just like I don't know. I, I, I don't know what what to make of that. Yeah, it was super meta. Um, unless it wasn't. Maybe it was improvised. I don't know. I mean, like for what it's worth, like I, I feel like they are pretty believable as brother and sister, just in terms of pure looks. Yeah, I've seen worse. So now we get this. Frankie Muniz is just hanging in with the McGuire's for the night. Just chilling. They play some Scrabble. Lizzie spells the word tween, which I found to be hilarious, and then defines it. What we missed was the following scene where Joe tried to play the word meme. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by stonk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, their first date is hanging out with her family. It's a choice. Frankie Um, Muniz is just going to take what he can get. As we soon find out, it's way easier than going out. Like this is their one moment of connection and the only people witnessing it are, you know, just her parents. So romantic and not the paparazzi. He's trying to appeal to her and be like, get to know me. And like, this just seems like such a weird forum for that. Yeah. But it's like she's not getting to know him. She's getting to know the version of him that's on his best behavior because he's in front of her parents. Yeah, I mean, she learned that his igloos look like turtles. Um, because turtles look like igloos. That's what I call a turtle, just a walking igloo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I'm not quite sure what's going on in the last game um, where they're like, Acting. Yeah, they're shooting a movie. Did you? Know I don't know why they like, set up like a video camera. The evening is escalating. <laughs> yeah, and then it's getting late. Frankie has to go home for his bedtime, but he doesn't have a bedtime. He just has to be home by nine. Yeah, he promised Brian Cranston he'd be home by nine. You don't mess with Walter White. So they say goodbye. Lizzie says she had a good time and she actually enjoyed hanging out with her family, which also feels wildly inconsistent with her character. We'll call it growth. He wants to see her again. They're going to meet up at the Digital Bean. And this is the big moment where he goes in for the kiss. Oh, Merry Christmas, Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) 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 On the cheek. (laughs) Was that... 
now I'm forgetting. The Aaron Carter kiss was a cheek kiss too, right? Yes. No, I thought that. Wait, really? I thought that was just like full on kiss under the mistletoe. Was I'm not going to argue with Marissa's no, memory. I'm, like, no, she... I'm, I'm questioning myself right now. I think it was just like a chased a ch- peck on the lips. We don't want to litigate this too much right now, but wasn't the whole thing about like her, her kiss with Ronnie and like how much uh, buildup there was around it? Uh, like, it, wasn't it pointed out that it wasn't in fact her first kiss because she had kissed Aaron Carter previously? Yes. Yes. So we do think it was a mouth kiss, but not an open mouth, no like tongue. a closed mouth kiss. So Aaron <laughs> Carter got like a thousand percent less screen time, but a thousand percent more action. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the only point I wanted to make. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then this is where chaos ensues. They're at the Digital Bean. Gordo and Miranda are there. Gordo's explaining that Lizzie is just now famous by association. Like, that's what you get when you hang out with Frankie. Um, Frankie shows up to the Digital Bean incognito, right? Like, he's wearing sunglasses. He has a hat on. He's trying to remain on the DL. And Lizzie does not even try to understand what's happening and immediately blows his cover. This is when we get another mob of girls... Um, and Larry Tudgman for some reason. <laughs> I love that little him. Larry Tudgman moment. <laughs> I have to say, I thought that that was fantastic. Um, just to show another character like existing with this story and information outside of the core three. It, I, it doesn't surprise me that Larry is a Frankie fan. This scene was bonkers. Like just the, <laughs> the the entire setup of this mob around Frankie and the way that uh, you know the trio navigated around it. Oh man, this was this was a sight to behold. It was. They can't go through. How about under? <laughs> that, that's a great. That's a winning strategy. Yeah, Gordo. He's gonna start groping people, touching their legs. But he gets a foot to the face, so. <laughs> yeah, a slow motion just stomp. <laughs> Miranda lands in some gum. People are like removing Frankie's clothing, which is deeply concerning. Yeah, when all is said and done, his clothes are tattered, which is another underreported story here. Yes, they have to save Frankie. You know, they try to go in. They say, let's form a human chain. <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. And Jordan Peele saw this, and this was the movie Us. So. <laughs> oh, man. First time's a fail. They get Larry Tudgman. They pull him out to safety. Human chain does not work. New plan. Now they have his clothes. And Gordo is going to put on those clothes and become Frankie, even though Frankie is visibly still in the circle. That somehow creates a diversion that truly makes no sense. Yeah, just duck Stupidest a little bit. Stupidest mob of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's enough, and Gordo gets chased. We got this line, and I wish it was a little bit clearer, but I feel like this is basically the line that I've been waiting for for 45 episodes. I hate Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> so another uh, another more general observation about this scene um, and, and, and about this whole episode really is that Lizzie has a different hairstyle in just about every single scene of this episode. And the one in this digital bean uh, scene in particular, it's like 
a prom night level hairstyle. Like it is very done up only to just completely go away in the ne next scene. Ivan, have you never been on a first date? What? <laughs> is this not just what you do? No, no, no. The first date was with the family the night before. Right, 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 right. Have you never been on a second date? <laughs> At the digital bean? No. <laughs> I noted Lizzie's hair too. Um, those barrel curls were just really something to behold. Like what did she have, have never quite seen. I know. <laughs> Goodbye, crimper. Hello, curling iron. I mean, that's nothing compared to the last episode where between school and the cafe, one girl got her entire hair color changed from brunette to blonde <laughs> and changed her shirt. So whoa, time doesn't exist at the Digital Bean. No. <laughs> it's the Matrix. It's true. Season six of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> so then we are back at the McGuire house and we are seeing a newspaper headline that says Frankie Frenzy and calls out Frankie Muniz, Lizzie McGuire, and two unidentified friends. So this scene has like low-key the best line of the episode, uh, which was, uh, what I think it was uh, uh, Joe that was calling attention to the headline, but Sam uh, getting distracted by the fact that the Bears have won three in a row, which he found difficult to believe. <laughs> that, that, I, I liked that. I mean, that was quality writing. I mean, Sam Sam McGuire, underreported Bears fan. He has his Walter Payton football. He's you know he's all in on the Bears. Which which actually f for to this episode's credit reinforces the idea that we are in autumn during football season. No, that's that's a fair point. Why Sam McGuire likes the Bears? No idea. <laughs> no context at all. Well, no, actually, I isn't he from? So he's from. Did we hear, or am I making this up, he's from Kalamazoo, Michigan? Even if you were, that would make uh, Chicago Bears' allegiance pretty controversial. You would think he'd be a Lions fan, but, you know, who knows. And then Joe McGuire was from somewhere in Washington, right? Yeah. Oh, Ivan, was you're... she from Walla Walla? Yeah, Walla yeah. Walla. Yes. Yeah. You're oh, neck of the woods, right. Ivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Walla Walla, which is a nice little college town, which is known for its sweet onions. Really? Have you yeah, ever been Walla there? Walla Walla sweet onions. Uh, I haven't because it's it's in a part of the state that might as well be a different state. Like <laughs> like because you have like a mountain range that kind of cuts Washington state into two. Everything west of it is very rainy and very liberal. Everything east of it, very dry and conservative. Um, and yeah, that's the part of the state that Walla Walla's is in. Uh, I see. But they've got those onions. Walla Walla sweet onions. They're in every grocery store. Yes, but you're absolutely right because we speculated at the time that they just came up with the two, like, what town sound funny to say? That will be where they are from. Speaking of Joe, she also has, like, what, what might actually be an even funnier line than Sam's where she makes note of the fact that it's not a good picture of Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Good thing she's an unidentified friend. I mean, at least they saw her, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's something. But yeah, so Lizzie likes Frankie. She says, and what happened last night wasn't his fault, right? And it's like, no, Lizzie, it was your fault. <laughs> okay, so this is the point in the episode where things start to get really weird for me because... Wait, they're just starting to get weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> this no. is where it goes off the rails. <laughs> Have you not noticed Frankie Muniz is in this episode <laughs> and he just happens to be an old friend of Mr. Dig? 
No, okay. <laughs> so my thing is everything up to this point is like a little chaotic, but in an enjoyable way. Um, and now we are crossing the boundary of there are there is just like a strange man in her yard going through her stuff and it just becomes like another level of privacy violations that I'm uncomfortable with. It's not okay, cute yeah. anymore. Yeah, okay, I agree with you. Because, like, even though this episode required a suspension of disbelief, like, from the very first scene, that was the moment where it kind of crossed the threshold into an even more absurd category. Because, first of all, that man did not look <laughs> anything like what you'd expect somebody in that profession to look like. If if snooping around people's private property for celebrity gossip fodder is even an actual profession, uh, I'm, I'm sure it is, sadly. But, uh yeah, that was just a weird scene and and, and kind of where like Matt's like sort of almost B plot really kind of kicked into effect. But oh boy, yeah, you're absolutely right, Marissa. That's when things got weird. Vindication. But yes, as you said, this is where Matt, it occurs to him, huh, I can exploit this and I'm absolutely going to. Which is which is a betrayal of being part of the entourage. Like, Somebody like if you're a part of a famous person's entourage, like this is the kind of you know nonsense you should be uh, protecting them from. Well, Matt just wanted to be a member of the entourage in name and not in action or follow through. He was an inside man. He needs more yeah. e. He needs his e needs to come out, not his turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, of course, we can't have an episode of Lizzie McGuire without a montage. So we get this truly bananas paparazzi montage and again just all of the privacy stuff is very concerning especially because they are both minors there are rules yeah and especially like this is lizzie mcguire that they're stalking here it's not even frankie muniz it's like who is this lizzie mcguire yeah and they're all over where she lives and 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 and, and like for that matter who is the customer of the photos and the information that they're obtaining. Like I, I get like, you know, paparazzi taking photos of adult celebrities and, you know, putting them in tabloid magazines and stuff. But like you, you never really like, I don't recall there ever really being a phenomenon of like paparazzi around like child stars and magazines that catered specifically to that demographic like is that a thing like would would there be a bunch of tweens that would pick up like tween targeted tabloids with disney and nickelodeon stars yeah this is for j14 yeah but you would think they would only really care if it was like two celebrities together right like oh these two people that you know are now in a relationship not like one person that you know with another nobody that's not true, though. There's always a level of when a celebrity is with like a quote unquote commoner, like, oh, who is this person? Who is this regular normal person who could win the heart of this celebrity? So there's always. And how intrigue. do I become them? Exactly. But yes, Lizzie and Frankie just can't go anywhere. And then we are back at school. There is quite a tone shift from Gordo and Miranda that I didn't quite understand and felt was a bit unfair and unwarranted. Like Miranda is just so angry. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who wanted this to happen. You encouraged this. You created this monster. Yeah. You can't be upset at it now. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they're like, we tried to spend time with you this weekend, but we couldn't get anywhere near you because you were just with Frankie and the paparazzi. And oh my goodness, it was just a lot. Yeah. Gordo says, uh, if you hadn't gone out with him in the first place, none of this would have happened. It's <laughs> so true. Do you want to play this clip, Sam? Or do you uh, want to play the breakup? Maybe I will play this one because this this scene is a little bit bizarre. Hey, guys. Where have you been? You didn't wait for me outside school today. Sorry. Forgot. And you didn't return my phone calls, like, all weekend. I was busy. I had stuff to do. Like, trying to avoid an entire crowd of screaming Frankie fans? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Actually, I wanted to apologize. I mean, I didn't mean for things to get so crazy at the Digital Bean. Just comes with the territory of dating a famous actor, I guess. If you hadn't gone out with him in the first place, this would have never happened. It's so weird. I mean, reporters following us around, my picture being in the newspaper, and Matt wants me to have an entourage. It's almost like I'm famous. You are famous. Rand, I am not famous. And I don't want to be. Lizzie, I don't think you have a choice. Listen, we tried to see you this weekend, but we couldn't get anywhere near you. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean for... It's okay. It's just that... Lizzie... I don't want my picture in the newspaper, especially as the unidentified friend. This whole thing has gotten way out of hand. I can't deal with it. You were the ones who told me that I should give Frankie a chance, that he was totally normal, and I did. Frankie's not the problem. It's the craziness that follows him around. Stop! Lizzie McGuire and two unidentified friends. See? Let's go. So in this scene where Miranda is pouring out her feelings, when when she gets to the words unidentified friend, like her voice starts to break like she has been emotionally devastated by what's been going on here. I think she might be more upset about that than the fact that Lizzie can't hang out with her. She's like, they couldn't even identify me. (laughs) Which, which is ironic because Lizzie would love to be the unidentified friend right now, like to to have that a- anonymity. That's the thing about Lizzie McGuire, though. It's like she thinks she wants popularity and notoriety, but like whenever the tiniest tiniest ounce of it comes her way, she's like, "Never mind, I don't want this." But what's interesting here is like Lizzie's initial instincts were dead on, like her reluctance right. to date Frankie. Like if she had just listen to her own intuition continually rather than be influenced by everyone else, everything would have just turned out okay. In her defense, you know, especially from Miranda, like Miranda's being a little hypocritical here. Like you did kind of egg this on in the beginning. So, you know, you you get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah, no sympathy for Miranda in this episode. Yeah, Gordo, you-, you know, okay, maybe you did not want her to do this, but we all know you have ulterior motives. <laughs> Yeah, Miranda, you are not getting the MVP in this episode. (laughs) And then how about that photographer just, you know, hiding in the trash just for the perfect moment? Once again, worst school security of all time. I guess maybe the this photographer has been talking to Andy. He's gotten Lizzie's class schedule so that he can just plan (laughs) out where he needs to be. Because how would you just know where to be? This is very very strange. I don't like it. Also, why not just ask the unidentified friends what their names are? <laughs> They're right there. They're right there. It's so insulting for, for him to look them in the eye and continually <laughs> refer to them as unidentified friends. And then back at the McGuire house, Matt is full out exploitation. So much so that he is giving, 
you know, as an 11 year old child, he is giving a group of adult paparazzi, giving them just a tour of his home through the perspective of a day in the life of Lizzie McGuire. This is where Lizzie eats breakfast. This is her math homework. And he starts selling off all of these Lizzie articles. Knowing what we know about how uninteresting Lizzie's life is, what is Matt even giving the reporters right now that they can work with? Like, absolutely nothing. Nope, it's math homework and Mr. Snuggles. I did like the Mr. Snuggles callback, though. It's been a while since we've seen Mr. Snuggles. Still there. Still still there. Just watching all of this madness happen. Day after day after day. That's Mr. Snuggles. I would love uh, sort of like an alternate perspective on Lizzie McGuire that's just Mr. Snuggles. Just like Mr. Snuggles. What does he see from the pillow? Um, But this whole scheme gets foiled very quickly. Sam and Joe come home. They figure it out. Oh, oh, very, very important note here. When Sam and Joe walk into the scene and see what's going on, Sam takes off a pair of sunglasses that he was wearing indoors. What was going on there? Sunglasses indoors was a big theme in this episode. It's true. <laughs> He's like, what? Who is this? Yeah, he like he like whipped them <laughs> off in, in, in just shock and incredulation. Like he was just like, what? <laughs> I need to take off my sunglasses to wrap my head around what's going on right now. Yeah, and you'd think that they would have known something weird was going on probably before they went into the house because all these people didn't, or maybe they did, maybe they did just walk up to the house, (laughs) but, you know, you'd think there'd be, like, cars and cars in the driveway, all these people just trying to buy Lizzie's stuff off of Matt. And Matt is caught and he is grounded. Cut to the penultimate scene in this episode where Lizzie's life just, it can't get any worse She doesn't want to be famous. (laughs) People think it's so cool and fun, and it's not. It's lonely. I think Joe is the one who's like, what can I do? And then Lizzie's like, you can give me my life back. (laughs) She's like, well, why don't you stop seeing Frankie? Like, Because if it's lonely for me, imagine how it is for Frankie. Yeah, Um, this goes back to the episode where she stole the statue head. It's like, you don't need to do these things, (laughs) you know, to... Prove that you're an empathetic person or that you're a good person. Like, (laughs) you could take care of yourself first. So the thing, too, with this is it almost felt like she wasn't talking as Lizzie anymore. It almost sounded like she was talking to the audience and to my young, impressionable self who did want to be a Disney Channel star and say, you know, it's not all fun and games. This life isn't easy. It's hard and lonely. And sometimes they make you record PSAs. And they make me do the weird Mickey Mouse ears all the time in the promo. <laughs> I have to say, the there's like a video of her doing it over and over and over again and getting so frustrated. That is a fantastic watch. Do, doing what exactly? The, you know, the you're on Disney Channel. Um, oh, really? Where thing. she has... Yeah. Oh, where she has to draw out the ears? Yeah, and there's like, it just keeps cutting and asking her to do it over and over. And you can tell that she, she was like, I was so sick <laughs> that day. She has like a runny nose. She is miserable. That's um, incredible. I have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Um, but yeah, it felt like she was talking to me. And was I listening? Not at all. And then we get the most amicable breakup I think I have ever seen in my life. It's like... 
I think that my paparazzi is too much for you. I agree. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Sam, can I be part of your entourage? Yes, please, but don't sell any of my things. Uh, yeah, so they both went into this conversation just planning to break up with the other person for the, I mean, pretty much the same reason, um, just recognizing that it had created this difficult situation for Lizzie. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to them for both arriving at that conclusion independently, right? Yeah, it was very emotionally evolved and mature in a way that hasn't really been a thing on this show. But it was also like funny to watch because it was like, Frankie's like, I just totally messed up your life. And Lizzie's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> which, which, by the way, he made an effort to not do. He showed up at the digital bean in disguise to just like keep it as low key as possible. And I, we didn't even make note of the fact that Lizzie was just being so dumb in that scene by calling him out by name. Who wears sunglasses inside? Oh, that's just Frankie. Frankie, <laughs> over here. Yeah. Is that my dad? <laughs> dad? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he. but he's still going to call and email her. Yeah, they're friends. I don't know. I think you should just, you know, just rip the Band-Aid off. Like, this is it. Just walk away. And then it just cuts to them on a movie set? Well, no. First, he gives her a card. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> How could I forget? We never find out what's in the card. I mean, we assume, I guess, maybe a pass onto the studio lot, but what's written in the card? Like, what could possibly be written here? It's probably just like a parking permit. Just a blank card with a parking permit inside. Very low-key breakup. No one is particularly upset about it. They hug goodbye. Well, okay, so I was going to... So I'm jumping ahead now to this next scene at the movie studio where... If Frankie wants the paparazzi to just like, <laughs> like just lose the trail and just no longer follow Lizzie around, the last thing that he should have done was invite her to his movie set to continue to perpetuate the idea that they're still together. Definitely. I mean, this is, Frankie is basically just writing the headlines for these people now. Like Frankie Muniz gets new girlfriend into movie <laughs> that he is doing. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was going. It's like, for someone who really doesn't want to be famous, Lizzie sure as heck jumps at the opportunity to be in Frankie's TV movie. See, this is just the Aaron Carter episode again. <laughs> like, why this is not a scene that we need. Like, they they evolved it a little bit, but then they still had to regress to the Aaron Carter episode at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. So... So at this point, Lizzie has at least two IMDb credits to her name, right? <laughs> She's in this TV movie, and she was a backup dancer in an Aaron Carter music video. Uh, she may or may not have been in a documentary about the middle school experience. Oh, okay, yeah. So she is now almost famous in her own right. <laughs> um, so right. She was also on the news once for saving a guy from choking. I don't know if that would ever make an IMDb appearance, but you know, once you have an IMDb page already, it's easy enough to just get random stuff added to it. But yeah, okay, so this TV movie, I mean, what little we see of it, it's basically Agent Cody Banks, that's, right? Yeah, that's what I was just literally going to say. Except he's, what, what, Rosen? Rosen's Deal is the name of the movie? Rosen, you forgot these keys. Thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, are we are we to believe that that is her only appearance in the movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> she comes up out of nowhere, just like, holding his it? keys. <laughs> a quick cameo. So what is she? Is she Rosen's girlfriend that only appears in that one shot? She's is Jarvis. She... <laughs> Wait, so or, yeah. So like, is she an assistant of Rosen that he objectifies by calling her babe? Like, what is this character? Thanks, babe. Yeah, I, I imagine she's the Pepper Potts. And Marissa gets that reference now. I do. And you do, but less less goopy. <laughs> <laughs> less I don't want Pepper Potts to be a thing. I am not a huge Gwyneth fan. I better cut that out. The goop people will come after you. <laughs> They're scary. You can't say that on a podcast. You're really playing with fire. No, I actually <laughs> do. I have watched some episodes of Goop, which were fine, but I just think Gwyneth as an actor doesn't really have range. I think she's wait, just... Wait, wait, wait. Wait, episodes of Goop? Is it a series? Yes, on Netflix. Oh, right, right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and I said what I said. But 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 I can just say explosive candles without any further <laughs> insinuation of what that means, right? <laughs> I think for sure that's basically synonymous with goop now is just exploding candles. And that is how ridiculous this episode ends because we have found ourselves. Well, no, no. It ends with Lizzie making Gordo and Miranda promise never to let her go on TV again. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, do I really sound like that? Which quite frankly was the most relatable thing she said in this entire episode. That resonated with me. Wait, are you saying that Lizzie has a realization at the end of the episode? I'm annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is the is the pact at the end that she's never gonna go on TV again or that she's never gonna date a celebrity again? Probably both, but they'll forget that two episodes from now. I wonder if this worked. I wonder if people actually watched this episode who didn't watch Malcolm in the Middle and this convinced them I should watch Malcolm in the Middle. Mr. Dig loves it. <laughs> I should check it out. Well, Marissa, did, you didn't? <laughs> I did not. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if the Nielsen data I have access to will go back to 2002 to let me look at the conversion. Oh, yeah, that would have been interesting. No, for me, I was full in on Disney Channel. Like I said, I was seven or eight at the time and the last thing that was interesting to me was a show about three brothers to be perfectly frank wait sorry there was zach cody and who else (laughs) (laughs) but that was different uh because so 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 i have a question and and this kind of comes from my own um back early what, what we were saying about my bewilderment that frankie muniz even did this um would he have appeared on a guest spot or like in a guest spot on the Disney Channel in 2002 at the zenith of his career were he not dating Hillary Duff? Wait, did I have a I have a question off of that question. Hil- did Hillary Duff also date Aaron Carter? Yes. <laughs> so the the moral of the story here is that Hillary Duff basically just got all her boyfriends onto one episode of Lizzie McGuire <laughs> that was written into her contract. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm just like, like okay, so Frankie Muniz, like in the year 2000, he has Malcolm in the Middle premiere. He's in the movie My Dog Skip. Uh, he's in the Disney Channel original movie Miracle in Lane 2. His career just completely takes off that year. By 2002, he's already, you know, doing Agent Cody Banks. You know, he has his own franchise. Like, there is no reason for him 
to be doing a guest spot on the Disney Channel, and yet Disney Channel continues to like try to have this weird claim over him. Like those weird <laughs> PSAs that they used to do with all the different Disney Channel stars, they would have him in those PSAs just continuing to like feed off the residual energy of Miracle in Lane 2. Like they like they desperately wanted Frankie Muniz to be a member of the Mickey Mouse Club, but he was already spoken for by Fox at this point. Was there like a Disney Channel version of like Battle of the Network Stars, like Battle of the Disney Channel Stars? Yeah, the Disney Channel games, but that was a little later. It was like Olympic years. There would be yeah, like... It, it was not during this era. No, that Got was you. more the Zach and Cody, Hannah Montana era. Brenda Song. Brenda Song, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. So they, there's no chance that these people would have ever been on something like that. No. Okay, okay. Don't forget one of my favorite Frankie Muniz movies, Big Fat Liar with Amanda Bynes and Paul Giamatti. So that was the other thing. Like That's the other thing. By Paul 2002, Giamatti. like... <laughs> By 2002, Frankie Muniz was in Big Fat Liar and all these other big theatrical releases. Like, it's just so difficult to believe that he made the time to even do this. But when when Hillary asks you to, you don't say no. For Hillary. Yeah, Agent Cody Banks, Agent Cody Banks 2. Oh, I forgot he was in the Mr. F episode of Arrested Development. <laughs> As himself. Mr. F. On the set of Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> You're right, though. From 2005 yeah. onward, most of his credits are himself. Yeah. Don't trust the B in Apartment 23. As himself. himself. <laughs> the Mysteries of Laura. Himself. Wait, he was in Sharknado 3? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Let's see. He, uh, he won multiple uh awards for malcolm in the middle so you know don't knock him he was a nickelodeon kids choice award winner he was actually nominated for an emmy award outstanding lead actor in a comedy series in 2001 this is an emmy nominated actor <laughs> making an appearance here on lizzie mcguire well I'm, I'm telling you he was that good like and, and he played like this you know, very neurotic, very nervous, very anxious kid on Malcolm in the Middle. And then, you know, he goes on this show and just comes off as extremely smooth and suave and confident. And again, just a, the heartthrob image that at no point in his career did he otherwise project. Ivan, I have to say you are convincing me to check out Malcolm in the Middle. So I've been going back and rewatching a couple of cherry picked episodes. I can send you a list of, you know, which ones to check out. It, it, I mean, it's a it's a big commitment. There's like seven seasons, there's but there, there's a couple in there that are gems. And yeah, I'll 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 create a curated selection for you. Marissa's you. also never watched Breaking Bad. So where should she go? Should she go Malcolm in the Middle or Breaking <laughs> Bad? <laughs> so chronologically, you have to start with Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> Well, because no, there's that DVD extra and like I think like for the final season of Breaking Bad where it's just this extra scene where uh, Brian Cranston wakes up uh, in bed next to uh, the actress who played his wife on Malcolm in the Middle and it's essentially insinuating that Breaking Bad was all a dream. All right. Should we talk about some outfits? Yes, Let's we should talk about some outfits. I've pulled up to start with Mr. Dig, who always wears the yellow shirt. But today, he is wearing, can we call this a shacket? What is this? It's kind of a sweater. You think that's a sweater? Is he going fishing? I don't know. There's pockets. I'm very confused by what is happening. 
Also, can we talk about like everybody's pants in this opening scene? Like, look at how big Ethan's pants are and how big Mr. Diggs' pants are. Like, I just don't understand. No one's tailoring these pants correctly. The legs on the pants are so large. Sam, do you get all your pants tailored? I don't get them tailored, but you know, I uh, I try Sam them does, on first. But Sam doesn't have a costume team. That's also true. I do not have a costume team. I just have Marissa critiquing my pants. Uh, there is one um, outfit selection in this episode that I made note of, and it's in one of the hallway scenes where Miranda is wearing a shirt that looks like it has like some kind of soldier on it. Is it where uh, she and Gordo are mad at Lizzie? Yeah, yeah I believe so. Oh, it's this scene. Yeah. So yeah, what's going on here? Paired with that giant cross necklace also. <laughs> it's just me and, or in, and this, next- is, in this freeze frame. Does it just look like Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> I see Quentin Tarantino when I look at this. <laughs> Well, if this isn't weird enough, next to her, Gordo is wearing a hoodie for some wrestling team. Like these outfits just don't seem to jive at all with Miranda and Gordo's personalities. That's very true. They're like nothing that we've ever seen on these characters before. But they are, for Miranda at least, it is a twist. Like she she is always wearing camo. So I have this theory when it comes to Miranda that because she is the only... Um, like POC character on the show, they style her in a way to really like emphasize her like Christian Americanness. Like she is wearing Ooh. crosses all the time. She is wearing American flag insignia all the time. Camouflage, military. It's very glaring episode to episode. And, and then Gordo was a- allowed to wear a yarmulke just for one episode, right? Correct. The day he became a man. Yeah, Gordo's sweatshirt either says Argo or Fargo. Either way, great movie. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Like, I don't peg Gordo to be in a wrestling sweatshirt, but perhaps that is a judgment on my part. He's complex. In fairness, like, this is the type of hoodie that my mom would have just, like, grabbed from, like, a clearance rack at JCPenney and had me wear. (laughs) Same. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, Marissa, has Lizzie worn these pants before? I feel like we've talked about them. The way that they've been washed out in like lines all the way down. Oh, you mean the way that they stress me out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Lizzie McGuire, you are an outfit repeater. So over the summer, Frankie Muniz bought a car, but he didn't just buy a car. He went and bought a car in this shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Is this, uh, Ivan, when you when you go to buy a car, do you put on your best Hawaiian shirt? Uh, no, because I want them to have a different idea about what my <laughs> price range is. Uh, no, okay, well, uh, honestly, this actually kind of looks like a shirt that Frankie Muniz would wear in Malcolm in the Middle. Um, because, like, in that show, uh, like, uh, he's portrayed as being part of, like, this very kind of, like, working class family. They're, you know, they're, they don't have a lot of money, so... I think there's jokes made about like how their clothes are always coming off of like, you know, clearance racks. So this actually looks like it could be a shot from Malcolm in the middle. I kid you not. Like maybe he wasn't able to make it onto the Lizzie set that day. And they just went over in between takes of Malcolm and just get a quick shot of him holding some car keys. That would check out. 
But besides that, like when we generally see Frankie Muniz in this episode, he's kind of like, you know, very like nice Jake Crew model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like the, the, the fir- that first scene that he appeared in where he's standing in the doorway looking like super dreamy. That was the moment that I knew like this is not the Frankie Muniz that I've grown accustomed to. <laughs> A recurring thing that we see in this show is the very shallow V. They really like this, like, not too pronounced V-neck, but just a little bit of V. It's like the signal of, I am an attractive man, because they put Ethan in the shallow V. Lizzie's style in this episode was a bit disconcerting to me. You're really going to have to... So every time we point out that Lizzie is wearing a choker, I'm like, why was this ever a thing? What is the point of wearing a collar? I just don't get no, it. No, so there's a way to do a choker correctly. But and why? And Lizzie just doesn't. Well, she's wearing a choker and another necklace on top of yeah. that here. <laughs> she's layering. Again, I don't understand. And the pattern of the choker clashes with the shirt. It just, you're right. It looks like a collar. I was a big fan of like the more standard, like plastic meshy choker. It was stretchy. Put it on. Uh-huh. It was a little bit more understated than the actual, like, pleather situations. Yeah. Should we talk about um, the Agent Cody Banks look? <laughs> oh, you're talking about Rosen at the end? Rosen's no, deal? no, no, no. I'm talking about Frankie Muniz uh, in disguise, incognito, coming into the digital bean here. I mean, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, well, let's talk about how this outfit ends up getting destroyed by the mob. <laughs> I mean, the only thing is really just the hat and sunglasses, right? Like, that's the only thing that would prevent you from seeing who this person is. And even then. But yeah, he needed to commit further. We needed some faux facial hair. We needed... Some faux facial hair on this 12-year-old? <laughs> that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> I don't know. We just needed something else. Yeah, there's not a lot of effort here. He... So... Uh, okay, I'm I'm going down a dark path here, but he is dressed the way that I would expect a creepy man preying on middle schoolers at the digital beam oh, to look like. <laughs> Luckily, though, he has Lizzie and Miranda and Gordo just yelling his identity to everybody. So there's that. How about this shirt for Miranda? Oh, wow, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> Choices are made. Similar sleeves to Lizzie's first look. The sort of like flutter butterfly sleeves. Yeah. And this is also, again, that scene where Lizzie just has an extremely like done up <laughs> hairstyle that like yes. would have probably taken a while to put together. And then she just abandons it in the next scene. It's true. Um, it, it also you see it sort of unravel um, as during the chaos. Like it's very well done in the beginning and it just falls apart. Can, can we eventually get a look at... Uh, um frankie's uh tv movie outfit yeah i think that's where we have to i think the last two are have to be lizzie and frankie's tv movie outfits first of all also can we talk about the backdrop of this scene like there's there's a parking lot behind her (laughs) what is this they'll fix it in post (laughs) but they didn't (laughs) we saw the post we saw the final product (laughs) and it was this I mean, this is the exact same lot where we had the Aaron Carter things. It's just the parking lot of whatever well, studio they're in. 
it also raises an additional question of like how much time has transpired between the shooting of the scene and then that final scene of them watching the movie. Like <laughs> even for a TV movie, it means that that final scene probably takes place a few months later. Unless they just get sent the dailies for whatever reason. Yeah. Next night. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, yeah. Can so we... Lizzie's outfit here does not look age appropriate. I mean, I think the thing we really have to comment here is the two pins that yes. she has. Because one pin, okay, fine. There's, you know, maybe you have an Eiffel Tower pin. That's how we know that she is supposed to be in France. The poodle? I don't, like, why, why a second pin? You French know poodle. Who, yeah. <laughs> Big distinction. You know who she looks like here in this look? She looks like Kate. This is something Kate would wear. It is. Oh. I agree. I agree. She looks very Kate, who is, again, nowhere to be found in this episode. All right. And then, of course, we have uh, Frankie Muniz uh, right at the end here. Thanks, babe. Just in, wearing a very ill-fitting jacket. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know what it is? It's because they didn't make him take off that red shirt that he was wearing. They just told him, put on a leather <laughs> jacket over this sweater. Like, here he is <laughs> when Lizzie pulls up to the lot, and then here he is at the end. He still has that <laughs> he on. He still has this sweater on. So he's wearing essentially three layers in the bright, sunny Southern California backdrop. We also have an out-of-place American flag behind him. So there goes our France theory. <laughs> <laughs> and a German car. <laughs> Wait, this isn't the car that Frankie bought himself, is it? Did we ever see the car he bought himself? Now I have to go back and double check. This is I like don't a. Think so. This is clearly not, like it's a. It's not worth it. Don't a, do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but yeah, he's his his ride of choice is this souped-up uh, Volkswagen. Yeah, with just some of the weirdest artwork just scattered all across. It was recommended to him by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> it all came full circle. It did. It always does <laughs> with you. Yeah. Hey, it's not my fault that Paul Giamatti does those commercials now. <laughs> wait, wait, are those Volkswagen commercials? The one where he's like a celebrity accountant? Yes. Yeah, he's their Volkswagen. And uh, Kieran Culkin is there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and this is, I mean, it, yeah. I can't tell. This is a VW, right? It looks like it. I mean, that's the badge looks like it's a VW badge. It all comes full circle. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Giamatti was running this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, I think it's time for us to call it, call our MVPs. Sure. Who's going first? Well, I feel like we always let the guests go first. So I think Ivan has to go first. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I will say that everyone in this episode had their moment where they annoyed me as a viewer <laughs> with probably the sole exception of, I would say, Frankie Muniz. And, you know, I know I'm biased. I know, you know, I went into this episode excited, um, you know, about his guest appearance and, and the fact that, you know, like I'm a Frankie stan. But yeah, I mean, he came off as extremely likable in this episode. And, you know, I, I can't I can't make an argument for giving MVP to anybody but him. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm also giving my MVP to Frankie. You know, it's his one opportunity to earn it and he earned it. Plain and simple. Wow. All right. See, I don't know. I don't know if Frankie Muniz did enough for me. And I'm 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 normally the person who like does give the benefit of the uh benefit of the doubt to the guest stars that we see. For example, like last episode, I did give Andy an MVP for her one episode arc. <laughs> This is so tough. 
Well, it's like, who are you thinking if not Frankie? I would love to hear your thought process. See, I'm torn. So Joe McGuire is definitely on my short list because Joe McGuire is supportive uh, at every turn. She's like, you know what? You go out with Frankie Muniz. And then when Lizzie's like, I don't like this, she's like, you break up with Frankie (laughs) Muniz. So, you know, just A plus advice from Joe McGuire. That's really the only other person that I would kind of consider could give it to Mr. Dig for even knowing Frankie Muniz in the first place. But he does some cringy stuff in that opening scene as well. So I don't know if I want to give it to Mr. Dig. Sam, I feel like you're just trying to be contrarian here. There's an obvious I answer. I, uh, all right, fine. You know what? Yeah, I'll give my MVP to Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz, congratulations. You are the MVP of uh, episode 50 unanimously. Do you think that part of his agreement to do this episode, like, involve just him being portrayed in only a positive light i think it would have to be and i think frankie muniz obviously given that he is a uh, unanimous mvp has earned a spot on our survivor cast hurt versus tired versus hungry and he's got to be on the tired tribe right like he's just (laughs) tired (laughs) absolutely i feel like we're going to either have to expand our cast or kick some people to the curb because We had a full cast before season two. We did. I mean, people will end up getting kicked to the curb. Probably the people who did not have a very good showing in Big Brother, Big Sister. But Frankie Muniz, I think, has definitely earned a place. (laughs) Absolutely. And you've got, what, like another little over a dozen or so episodes left for that bracket to shape up? Correct, yeah. But Frankie Muniz, congratulations. I think that you have made the most. (laughs) You only had one shot, and you did not miss your chance. (laughs) Well, we are we are really in the home stretch here, aren't we? With the content, we are in the final quarter. But yeah, Ivan, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's always a pleasure. This um, was a blast once again. Thank you. Of course. And as always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Send any thoughts or questions or comments to us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. As always, this episode will be uploaded to our website, www.paginatedmedia slash outfitrepeaters. Uh, it'll also be available on any platform where podcasts are available. And coming up here at Paginated Media in two days on Thursday, there will be a new episode of Crowning Around in which we will be recapping The Crown Season 1, Episode 4, Act of God. Ivan, what can you tease from our recap of Act of God? Because it was a fun episode to rewatch. It's, uh, I-, I think it might be, like, up until that point, my favorite episode of The Crown. Like, it has a lot of the DNA of what makes The Crown work so well as a series. And I remember, you know, having some pretty riveting discussion about it. So look forward to that. I mean, we get to see Winston Churchill just entirely change who he is. Always a fun time. <laughs> I think I think the end goal of paginated media should be to figure out some kind of obscure connection between the crown and Lizzie McGuire. Are the two Liz's different? They're not the same Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, I, I would love if you could at least like make note of some actor who has somehow appeared in both series. Un- unlikely. Yeah, we need to do the Kevin Bacon for these changes. Like how many degrees? So yeah, that's coming up on Thursday on Crowning Around. And then next week, we'll be back here with another episode of The Outfit Repeaters. Yeah, stay tuned for season two, episode 16, Inner Beauty.
Oh, I know what episode you're talking about. <laughs> no spoilers.